Welcome. You're listening to the Heritage Podcast. To learn more about Heritage, including meeting times and upcoming events, visit us online at www.heritageff.org. Now, let's get into today's podcast. Really quick, I want to start our message. We're going to be uh, starting in the book of Mark, chapter 2. My title today is Right Relationships Create Great Change. And this is going to be something we're going to be continuing for the month of February. Just going the whole way through the month of February, talking about the right relationships in our lives. So tonight the message, if you're taking notes, which I hope you are, uh, today's message is right relationships create great change. Mark chapter 2, I'm going to start reading verse 1 and we'll go down to verse 12. It's going to be a little bit of a, a read, but we'll get through it. It says, and again he, meaning Jesus, entered Capernaum after some days. And it was heard that he was in the house. Now, some believe that this is the house of Peter that he came to, right on Capernaum, right along the water. He came back to Peter's house. And immediately many were gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive him, to receive them, not even near the door. And he preached the word to them. And they came to him bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken through, they let down the bed with the paralytic laying on it. When Jesus saw their faith, someone say their faith. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic man, your sins are forgiven you. And some of the scribes were sitting and reasoning in their heart. Why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they were reasoning within themselves, said to them, Why do you reason about these things in your heart? Which is easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, rise, take up your bed and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. And he said to the paralytic man, I say to you, arise, take up your bed, and go home. Father, we just come before you. I thank you for today's service. I thank you for each and every person that is here today. That they are better, that they leave better than the way that they came, with a better understanding and a better uh, uh, knowing of who you are on the inside of them, of your love and your mercy and your grace. I thank you that you would think through my mind, that you would speak through my lips, that it would be all of you and none of me, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, Growing up in in, uh, elementary school, going through elementary school, one of my favorite parts of elementary school was show and tell. Do you guys remember show and tell? Anybody hands show and tell? Nobody? Y'all going to be acting like you don't know? Okay. Show and tell is when you bring an object from home, whether it's a stuffed animal or a toy, you bring it to the class, and this is your opportunity to pick your very best thing, like, like you had like the, the, the top of the line thing, whatever it was, something that meant something to you, and you would bring it to the class, and you would present it to them to say, this is what I love, this is my most favorite thing, and you would talk about it. So I want to do a little show and tell today, is that okay? Okay. So I brought my Star Wars toy. Now this is an original vintage Star Wars I have all the, the set of it, but this is uh, Darth Vader, my favorite character. Dark side for life. <laughs> um, so this is an original vintage. By my mom, bought it. Yeah, my mom bought it for me. And why this is important to me is be, for a few things. Not just because I like Star Wars, 
But there's a lot of emotion and, and memories tied to Star Wars. Like, I remember as a child that when I first saw Star Wars, it was because this, this man who was in the church, he was, uh, not, uh, he was a little bit slow, but he blessed my dad with a VHS recording of all the Star Wars. And I was the first time I saw it. It was a little fuzzy. It was ghetto, like bootleg, you know, that original bootleg. And <laughs> George, George, George. George was his name. Awesome. He was an usher. He was faithful. And he blessed my dad with this VHS of Star Wars. All three of them. It was the very first time I saw him. And and I loved it. I loved Star Wars. And then I remember in May 19, 1999, the new series came out, which was like the the new prequels to the old one, which was like the old ones were the best ones. Okay, let's just get that started. Uh, You know, New Hope, Revenge of the the, the Sith, you know, uh, Return of the Jedi. Those are the best ones. I love a good, like, trilogy story. You know, those epic ones like Star Wars. You have, like, Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring, Two Towers, Return of the King. You know, you have, like, like another one was really good. is Friday, next Friday, and the Friday after next. They're just epic trilogies that are just blockbusters. You know what I'm saying? Anybody? No? Okay. I brought this Star Wars, and one of my favorite things... Because May 19th, 1999, I was a junior in high school, and the new movies came out. And my mom surprised me and took me out of school to go see it. And and it was... It was just me and her. My dad didn't come. My brother didn't come. It was just me and her. And it was something important to me because I love Star Wars. And she knew that, and she took me out of school to create a memory... That, I don't remember anything I learned in high school, but I remember leaving high school. I remember leaving high school to go see Star Wars with my mom, and I thought it was the most amazing thing. Here I am, a junior in high school, chilling with my mom at the movies when I should be at school. It was beautiful to me. It's a memory that I'll never forget. And then I have another memory when I first sat Taj down, when he was old enough to understand, and I sat Taj down and we watched all three of the originals. And I remember when we got to the, to the last part, you know, the, the, the part that, that everybody knows. And I remember as, as Luke was on that sky tower and he was fighting Darth Vader. And he's like, they're arguing back and forth. And then the, the iconic words. And, and, and Darth Vader says, Luke, I am your father. You know what I mean? And so as it's about to come up, I know it. And I, start, I watch Taj. And I'm just watching him. I'm not longer watching the movie because I know what's going to happen. But I'm watching Taj. And it says, and he goes, <gasps> No way! And he was so just floored by it. I kid you not, tears down my eyes. I was like, yes, he gets it. (laughs) He understands. It's so amazing. But he was just so floored that, that Darth Vader was Luke's dad. So this is why I bring you my Star Wars toy to show you that this is something that is important to me. It's a part of my life growing up. And I see in Scripture where Jesus does the same thing. He does show and tell for people. You see how I brought that together? (laughs) Dang, I'm good. I'm good. I do this all the time. Sorry, guys. We see it in Mark chapter 2. Jesus never lets a time, an opportunity to teach something go by. We see this instance in Scripture, this is a beautiful just, just passage of Scripture that we have. We get to see God on display. I, mean, I just want to read through these, these verses that we just read again and just talk about what's going on here. 
It says this, and again he entered Capernaum. Now, this is why, because he had left Capernaum, because there were so many people that were after him. He left where he was to go to a desert place. And when he came back, people saw that he was coming back, so the word got out. Hey, Jesus is back in town, so they crowd him, they rush him. And he comes to Peter's house and begins to minister. He says this, and they heard that Jesus was in the house, and immediately many gathered together to look, and there was no room to receive him. It says, but they came to him, bringing a paralyzed who was sick on a bed. So here's what the, the scripture says. It says that there was, he was sick with palsy. So palsy is a, 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 a disease that attacks the nervous system. So it's obvious that this man had had it for some time and it had really gone to ravaging his body. Because there's people who have the disease and they're able to walk and stuff. And what happens is because it, it attacks the nervous system, you begin to shake uncontrollably. But some can walk with it. So it's obvious that this man, it had gotten really bad because he could not walk anymore. So now he's confined to a bed, stuck there. He's stuck there. And he cannot move anymore. He's just shaking uncontrollably on this bed. And it says this. They brought him. It says four men brought him to see Jesus. So I brought a cot. And this is kind of what it would have looked like. He was laying on a bed, and it says that four friends. This is why it's so important who you allow in your life. Because right relationships create great change. You see, I I look at the verses, and I I, I like to look at different perspectives. And we have a lot of different perspectives that we can look at. We can look at what the man went through, what the friends saw, and what Jesus witnessed. So we have one man laying in a bed, and I think of the friends. I think of the friends who may have grown up with him, that, that they saw the disease just ravage his life to where that he used to be able to run and play, and now he's no longer able to do that. And as the shaking gets so strong and so violent that he can't even walk anymore, and now their friend is stuck on a bed. But these four friends got together, they said, Jesus is back in town. I just heard that he's back at Peter's place. Are you thinking what I'm thinking? Yes, we got to get our friend to Jesus. Whatever it takes, we got to get him there. Okay, get everybody over. And they come to their friend, and they, they, they say, look, Jesus is in town. We're going to take you to see him. You grab that side. You grab that side. I'll get this side over here. And you get that one right there. Come on, John, let's go. And they start dragging him to see Jesus. I don't know exactly where they were to where Jesus was, but it says that they took him to Jesus. And as their journey goes, as you know in life, things happen. Obstacles will come up even when you're trying to do something right. Wrong things will happen in life. These guys are trying to do something great for their friend. And tragedy strikes. Obstacles arise. They get to the house where Jesus is thinking that they're early and they're late. The door is blocked. It is so crowded that they can't even get in. It says in scripture that the door was so crowded and there was people outside the door already. These houses, there weren't big houses, so probably fit about maybe 50 to 70 people in the house. And then there's outside the house, the courtyard area, and it's so packed they can't even get to that area. You know, some group of friends would have just been, you know what, we got them halfway. We, We made it here, we can just probably leave them here. Maybe when Jesus is exiting, he'll see them maybe. Maybe pray for him, let's just leave them right here. But these friends said, no, we, this, this closed door is not the end of our journey. This is why it's so important, because some friends would have left you at the door, 
But other friends would take you further to where you need to go. So just because a door is closed, that may not be the door that God has for you. See, they came to the door and it was closed, but God's saying, I'm calling you to higher things. Some of you, it's a higher relationship. Just because that marriage failed doesn't mean it's over for you. Just because you got fired from that job, that doesn't mean that's over. There's another door that's waiting for you. And sometimes that door, you got to break it down. They see this as another opportunity, a thing to accomplish, something to, to conquer. And it says that they, they, they climbed up to the roof. Now, I want to show you a picture. I have a picture of what it would have looked like. This is Capernaum in that time. You can see the home. And, and, and so there's steps that go up. You see it? And you can see, so this is, I want you to, because a lot of times I always thought of like a home like today. I'd be like, how did they get the cot up there? This is crazy. It doesn't make sense to me. Like I can imagine someone trying to climb up a ladder enough with a cot with a dude on it, trying to get up there. Just, it's too far-fetched for me. I can't understand it. So I wanted to show you it is plausible that, that these things can really happen. Now, if you look, it says, you can see it if you have good eyes. There's plaster on the top of the roof, and there's beams that go across. So this is kind of where it would have been. The winner went upstairs, climbed up to the very roof where Jesus was right downstairs. Now, think about this. There's a lot that goes into this. It's not just you just come to, to, the, to the house, and you climb up, and that's it. You've got to find out exactly where Jesus is in the room, and then start breaking the ceiling. Even if you got up there, you still got to have the gall, the audacity to break someone's house. Like, like, what did the friends talk about? Like, what, I, I like to think, like, they left the friend there, like, hey, let's, let's, we can't get in. We got to get, what do we do? I don't know. Do we, like, just push our way through? Yo, let's go to the roof. <laughs> what? Take him on the roof, and then we'll bash our way through and lower him down. <laughs> Bro. <laughs> Bro. That's genius. <laughs> Let's do that. <laughs> and I, th- I like to think that they didn't include him in what was going on. Because they're like, look, we're going to bash our way through. Break the ceiling big enough and we'll lower him on ropes down. Have you ever tried to lower something with multiple people? You have to do it exactly right. Because if one side starts to turn, it'll flip. You ever been like on a, on, a, on a cot or anything like this where it swings? And if you just turn the wrong way, you're flipped. You're done. I, can, I would not be able to do this. Like, I would drop this dude. Like, I can't imagine the pulley system that they're lowering him down on. Like a rope on each side and one side tilts, he's done. Like, yeah, we got him to Jesus, that's it, you know. He's the healer. <laughs> I like to think that they didn't tell him because he probably would have said, objected to it. Sometimes you don't need to tell everybody your business. You need to get off Facebook and stop, stop loading everything on there. You got something on your heart, something you want to do. Don't go run and tell everybody because they don't have faith to believe what you're believing for. We need to be not so quick to go run and tell everybody our vision, our dream, what God has dropped on the inside. Let it grow on the inside before you start blabbing it to everybody else. I digress. They're up on the roof. They're breaking through the ceiling. Now, I imagine they break through... And heads pop through. Like, go, go that way more. So they break through again. 
I were there. Now, imagine the other side. You're in the, you're in the meeting. You're Jesus preaching the gospel. And you start hearing noise. Like, imagine it today. Like, like, like someone starts breaking through the ceiling. You all would be like, what the heck? And, and like, uh, stuff starts falling. You're moving out the way. Now imagine you're Peter. This is your house. You're, you're Peter, and now you're thinking, who's going to pay for this? I don't have insurance for this. Who's going to pay for my roof that just got destroyed? Different points of view. But Jesus is preaching, and they lower this man down. And he's watching as it comes down, and everybody stopped at this point. They're watching what is happening, and he gets to the bottom, and Jesus looks at him, and he says this in verse 5. When Jesus saw their faith, this story really doesn't have anything to do with the guy. It's about the friends who had faith for their friend. Because Jesus says, I saw their faith, their, their, their idiotic faith to be like, I'm going to do whatever it takes to... That they weren't too, they, I'm glad maybe they didn't grow up in church. They, they, they weren't too dignified to be like, I'm not going to climb the roof. No, I'm not going to do that. It's the house of the Lord. No, he's preaching. They didn't care. They had a friend who was in need. And they saw the source was in the house. And I got to do whatever it takes to get to him. I can't get through the door. I'm going to find another door. If you, you got, anybody gotten friends like that? If you don't have friends like that, it's okay because you got the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and you're the fourth one. That's all you need. But Jesus sees this, this the, the, the cot comes down. And he says to himself, I saw your friend's faith. And because of your friend's faith, not because of you, but because your friends took a stand on your behalf. See, sometimes you don't understand that what you're believing for may not look like anything's happening on the outside, but God is taking witness of it. God is standing in your faith to go at to whatever you're attaching it to. I'm believing God for somebody else. I'm believing, I'm, I'm standing in faith for someone's salvation, for someone's healing. As a church, we came together and stood in faith with Jose for his, for his grandson. That's your faith attached to that miracle. We grabbed a rope with him. We said, not on our watch. Devil, if you're attacking one, you're attacking all of us. But he says, I saw their faith. And he says these words, which are beautiful. He says this. Son, your, faith, your, your sins are forgiven you. Now this, this is beautiful. Jesus, God wrapped in flesh, the personification of love looks this man in the eyes who is shaking uncontrollably, ravaged by this disease, and says, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now this kind of reminds me of the book of John. When, when Jesus brings Lazarus back to life, this, this kind of reminds me of that. And it also kind of reminds me when, when he has passion for somebody. 
in the book of Luke. I want to read something to you in the book of Luke. Is that, is that okay with you guys? Luke chapter um, 13. We have to understand that there's passion behind what God is doing. Luke chapter 13. I just want to read something to you guys really briefly. Let me get there. Okay. Chapter 13, verse 15 to 16. Actually, I want to read a little further up. So 14. It says, But the rulers of the synagogue answered with indignation. They were angry because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. Now this is talking about the woman who was healed from, from a foul of blood for 18 years. It says, But the rulers of the synagogue were answered with indignation because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. And they said to the, and he said to the crowd, there are six days on which you might work. Therefore, come and be healed on them, not the Sabbath. And we get to verse 15. It says, and the Lord answered and said, hypocrites, does not each one of you... Wait, I'm, I apologize. I'm, I'm not reading it the way that it's supposed to be read. See, it's, we have to understand that how you read something in context will determine how you receive it or understand it. That sometimes we see Jesus as just this loving, peaceful man. But there's times that he was angry. There's times that he was upset. I think about when he went to the temple and he was upset at what was going on. He said he flipped tables and whipped everybody out of the temple. So I want to do this justice to you, for you, okay? I, I want to uh, redo it so you can understand the passion that is behind it. Verse 14. And the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. And he said to the crowd, there are six days on which men ought to work. Therefore, come and be healed on them, not on the Sabbath. Then the Lord answered and said, hypocrites. Doth not each one of you on the Sabbath Loose his ox or his donkey from the stall and lead it away to be watered. Ought not this woman, being the daughter of Abraham, whom Satan hath bound, think on it, 18 years be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath? That's how he said it. I believe we miss a lot because we don't read it in context. So what was going on? Jesus was upset that these men would come against his daughter that way. How much more this man who comes down who's been sick, body ravaged, says, son, with the most passion anybody could ever see or feel. He looks him in the eyes and he says something that is beyond imagination. He says, son, meaning you are mine. He says, son, your sins are forgiven you. And they were upset about it. They were upset that he said, son, your sin is forgiven you. Why? Because they said, because you're doing this, you're putting yourself on par with God. See, we know Moses. Moses talked directly to God, and he can't forgive nobody. Not even the Levitical priest could do that. But you're saying that his sins are forgiven? 
This is blasphemy. This is blasphemy. But I told you that Jesus loves show and tell, right? He never misses a moment. Like I said in, in John, John, we see this other time where Jesus gets to do show and tell. See, see, Martha and Mary had sent word to Jesus because Lazarus was sick and he was about to die. And they said, Jesus, the one whom you love is dying. Please come and heal him. So Jesus says, I'll be right there. I'm coming. And he waits two days. And Lazarus dies. And on the outside, you may think this is cruel. Why would you do that? But it was really a setup for a miracle. Because sometimes... Resurrection is dressed like death. And sometimes God will allow things to die in your life. But don't worry, because he's resurrection, and resurrection is what he does. See, we have to understand that the, 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 the burial cloth was just the wrapping that hid the life of God and revelation of who he was about to become, or who he was going to say that he was. See, they knew him as healer, but not as resurrection yet. And this was the perfect opportunity for him to just put that on display. It's kind of like the, the burial cloth or the wrapping paper on Christmas morning. When you open up your present to reveal what's inside, the burial cloth was just the wrapping to reveal that he is the resurrection and the life. And he didn't miss a moment to be able to display that on. See, so when Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth, he said it in faith. And the faith words, unwrap the death to reveal life. Jesus sees this man come down and Mark. And he says, son, your sins are forgiven you. He bypasses the outer ailments to get to the heart. And I can imagine the guys. What did he say? He said something about sin. We didn't bring him here for sin. We brought him here for healing. Did he say anything about the healing? No, he just said, your, son's, your son, your sins are forgiven you. What the heck? What's going to happen when Jesus bypasses what you think you need to give you what you need? What, what are you going to do? See, because Jesus knows what you really need, not what you want. And there's going to be times that he's going to bypass what you think you need. See, God's saying, what is Jesus saying? He's saying this. Yes, I'm going to do something to you, but I first got to do something in you. See, what good is it to heal the body, but to leave him mentally, physically, and emotionally broken? See, in the first century Jewish world, people understood, or this is what they believed. It wasn't true. Jesus uh, dresses it in Mark. But they believed that sin or ailments or sickness were a byproduct of sin in your life. So they would have believed that this man is sick. All this stuff is happening to life because there's sin in his life. So imagine the man who's been on his bed this whole time believing that he is full of sin, that God wants nothing to do with him, that he is so far from God. I love how God knows the heart, the pain on the inside. People see the outside, but God says, I've got to fix what's on the inside first. I need to let you know that you're not broken. You're not uh, pushed aside, that you're my love, my very own. And God goes to the heart of the issue. And he comes to him and he says, son, your sins are forgiven. Imagine how that felt for him. I'm forgiven? I'm your son? 
I've been pushed aside my whole life. I thought I was forgotten. I've been stuck on this bed for so long. You ever felt like you just can't get up anymore? Like there's just something wrong with your life and you just, there's nothing you can do about it. I have no way to fix it. This addiction, I can't get rid of it. I don't know what to do. This hurt in my heart. I've tried my best. I just can't do it anymore. And Jesus says, son, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. It's believed that at this, in Mark, that it's at this very miracle, this very instant, this very uh, uh, connection that Jesus has with this man, that as he proclaims that your sins are forgiven you, that the shadow of the cross fell on his path. This is the very first time in Scripture we see Jesus declaring, I'm going to take your sins. It's at this moment that the shadow fell. See, if, let's just say, Reggie does something mean to Adrian. He gets triggered and hurt and he's upset. What if I went up to Reggie and said, Reggie, I forgive you. I forgive you for what you did to Adrian. And Adrian's like, but I didn't forgive him. He didn't do it to you. He did it to me. This isn't how it works. So how could Jesus forgive this man of his sins? The, the, the hypocrisy in it. How could you? You're not God. You can't forgive that man his sins. But Jesus is saying, you don't understand yet. I am God. And his sin is against me. And I'm the only one who can forgive it. See, he's been giving sacrifices to the temple all his life and ain't nothing gotten better. But I'm here to tell you today that things are about to change. That I'm going to forgive that sin. I'm going to pay that debt. See, he understood that for him to be forgiven of his sins, I have to die in that sin. And he was declaring it that day that you're going to be free because of what I'm going to do. You're you're going to be healthy and whole because I'm going to take that pain. I'm going to take that sorrow. I'm going to take it for you on my body. Even though I don't deserve it, I'm going to do it because you're my son. And I love you. Jesus sees a hurting man. The friends see a hurting friend. The man sees grace and love. I'm telling you today, I don't know who needs this. But you need to understand that God sees you not because of the mistakes you've made. Not because of the wrongs that you've done or the sin in your life. He sees you as his son who's broken and he wants to fix. He doesn't see you as someone who's a mistake. He sees a, a soul that is lost that he wants to bring back to life. I'm so glad that God is not into making bad people good but bringing dead people to life. And because of sin, we're all dead. But Jesus is in the business of bringing us back to life. Who you surround yourself with will determine your outcome. These men said, it doesn't matter what happens. It doesn't matter what it looks like. I'm ready to climb the roof. I need to get this man to Jesus. I'm going to encourage you today to be that friend for somebody else. 
To be that person who says, no matter what happens, I'm going to help them get to Jesus. Whether it's through my, my actions, whether it's, it's through my prayers, with, through my faith, through, through inviting them to Jesus Christ. Be that show and tell for somebody else. God, I, I don't know, I, I don't have all the words. You don't have to have, just live your life as a Christian and let somebody else see it. Don't judge them. Don't look down on them. Understand that it's not about what you've done, it's about what he's done. God is calling us to higher things. God is calling us to higher things in 2020. God has great things in store for you. He has amazing things in store for you. Go ahead and close your eyes and bow your heads. Father, we thank you for today. If you were encouraged by today's message and believe it would be uplifting to others, then be sure to rate us and hit subscribe. To experience more of Heritage, visit us at www.heritageff.org. Again, thank you for listening to the Heritage Podcast today. And remember, Jesus is Lord.